0: Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. I think it's such a timely uh, time to consider Daniel because Daniel went into captivity. And Daniel remained faithful and true to God and was able to influence and bring change in his lifetime over 70 years he was in captivity over 70 years he had to work in ungodly conditions and work in a babylonian captivity and yet he saw tremendous things that god did and he stayed true to his god and he stayed true to the things that god had in in his life and um you know You hear a lot of things, and you hear a lot of times we're hearing stuff, what we're talking about, you know, in terms of democratic rights. And yes, democracy is great, but let me tell you, democracy can come and go, but God remains on the throne. And it doesn't matter. There's nations that are not democratic where God is working and influencing and moving because the church is praying, the church is on its knees, and the church is honoring God. And allowing God to work. And in Daniel's life, we're going to see over and over and over again where God came through for him. You know, Daniel eleven thirty-two 32b, this is going to be our theme scripture. Um, I, I don't have it on the screen. I didn't give it to the scripture guys uh, for the screen there. So don't, don't freak out, guys. It's okay. Um, I'm just going to say it. It says, and the people who know their God will display strength and take action. Now, that's what the uh, New American Standard uh, version says. So the people who know their God will display strength and take action. And this is, I love that translation. I just love another translation. says people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. That's a great one too. But um, I think never in a time have we needed to display strength. And never in a time in history have we needed to be able to take action. And action is not, you know, so many times we seem to think, well, they're taking this way, they're taking that away. There's still much we can do. There's still much we can do to take action. And so, um, but Psalms 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. In the midst of a lot of noise, we live in a noisy generation. We live in a noisy day and age where we have noise from all angles. We have noise from multiple streams of multimedia. We have noise of a lot of voices just speaking and shouting. And God's saying, look, in the midst of this, be still and know that I am God. And and then it says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so we see this, that God God is committed to being exalted, but for who he is, not who we've made him to be. And we got so many people with their version of, I feel God is this, I feel God is this. God is according to his word, He's according to the manual that he gave us, the word of God. And he is who he is through the scriptures. And Daniel was rooted and grounded in this. And that is where he found his rest. That is where he found his strength. And that is where he found his courage. And today I want to talk about true courage. Because if there ever was a person who had not just courage, but true courage, it was Daniel. Daniel. And we need true courage. We don't just need a day where we're mustered up and we're, we're, oh, I'm feeling good today. I'm going to do something. I want to have true courage where it gives me longevity to where Daniel outlasted over 70 years. He outlasted three rulers that were not godly, but he was able to uphold God's ways and he was able to have influence in those areas, in those arenas of authority, which in his case was in government. So true courage is this. It's counterintuitive. That's the thing with true courage. And what we're going to see with true courage is this when we're looking at it. Um, How how many have ever tried to back up a trailer? Uh, I remember doing this my first time. My father-in-law was a contractor and he was a builder. And um, he used to just whip those trailers in and and had loads on them and he'd back it in. And, you know, I watched him over and over and thought, ah, this is easy. And one time I was on the job site with him. He's like, ah, back it in for me. And it is the hardest thing to do because it's the exact opposite of what you think. You have to turn the exact opposite of what you would think you need to turn. And so it's counterintuitive. It's the complete opposite to get the right result. And so this is what true courage is many times. It, it's doing the opposite of many times what you feel you need to do. Um, you know, someone said like courage is, is not the absence of fear. It's, it's, it's the fact that you know, you put fear in its place. You you move forward regardless of fear. You, you, it's, you're going against that. But you, you trust and you move forward regardless. So, you know, a lot of times we follow our fears and we back off and we stop or whatever, but it's going against that. And, uh, and so true courage is counterintuitive. Now, Daniel, we're going to see this. Um, Daniel <clears throat> was... Taken out of his home, we're going to look at this in Daniel. Let's actually go there. Daniel one, um, and um, so we see here that they were they were. Um, Nebuchadnezzar came, king of Babylon. He came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over the king there in Judah. Uh, so Nebuchadnezzar took them back to Babylonia and placed them in the, in, the, in the treasure house of his God. It says, then the king, verse 3, ordered, uh, I can't say his name, the chief of staff to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal, Judah's royal family, and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. He says here, Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these men, young men, in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens and they were to be trained for three years then they would enter the royal service. So Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen all from the tribe of Judah and the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and the wine given to them by the king. And they asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, here we see, there's a few things we see with Daniel here, right from the onset. You know, the amazing thing is, it doesn't say anything about Daniel's family, his parents. It doesn't say anything. You know, they don't get any credit here. And um, they obviously were godly, godly parents. They had this son who was God-honoring and, and was, was determined to honor God, even in this situation we see. You know, he was taken out of his family environment. He was taken from his family. He was taken out of his country. And he's enrolled in a foreign language university. So he has to learn the language. He has to learn basically their culture, which is obviously very ungodly because they're even given names. We're going to look at these names because it's incredible what the world tries to do to you. It tries to put labels on you, and it tries to rename you, and it tries to remake you. We live in a culture that is trying to remake God. They're saying God's principles, God's ways, that he's done certain things. That's not true anymore. We know the Bible says God created them male and female. He created them. And he created them in his image. A man and a woman brought together to be fruitful and multiply was God's design, and it works, and God's not confused about it, and that's what the Bible teaches us, but we, we want all these other distortions say, well, what about this? What about this? It's outside of God's design, and we don't have to apologize for that, but we don't have to be mean and cruel about it, but we have to stay within the parameters of what God has designed. We have to honor and we have to respect that. And Daniel wanted to stay within those confines in that he didn't even want to defile his body. The Jewish people had certain way that they ate foods and they had certain ways that it, that it needed to be done. And so Daniel was like, I don't want to defile myself by beginning to even partake of all of these different things. You know... Is there much difference between us and the world when we look at a lot of things? When we look at the scriptures, the, the scriptures tell us many things that are contrary to the, the way the world talks and thinks. You know, the Bible says that to be blessed by God, we need to be givers. So we need to be generous. The world says, hoard up, hoard up, and keep up for yourself, and, 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 and stir up all this up for yourself. But the Bible teaches us to give, and we will receive. It's... It's weird. It's an upside-down kingdom. There's so many things that it doesn't make sense. Yet, when we follow those principles, God can come through. But when we try to chalk God onto our own thinking and our own concept of what we think He is and then wonder why He doesn't show up, because we didn't do it His way. It's God's will, God's way. And so many times we're like, well, I just want you to do it, God. It's like, no, we don't. He's not going to do it. He follows his word. He follows his ways. He laid a plan out, and he wants us to stay in line with it. Daniel understood this. Another thing that the world tries to do, it tries to give you a, a new label and a new name. You know, I want to read the, 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 the names for Daniel, because when in Hebrew culture, when you were given a name, your name meant what you were. It wasn't like, just like, my name's Greg, you know. And we don't know what it means. My, actually, my parents knew what it meant, and mine means watchman. And so they, they knew that, you know, that's what they wanted to give me, and, and they, they, they did uphold the meaning of it. But a lot just give a name, and they don't have a meaning behind it. But in the Hebrew culture, you are given the name that, that was basically your destiny. And I find this interesting with Daniel's name. Daniel's name means God is my judge. And we're going to see this in the life of Daniel. The one thing that Daniel lived, he lived set apart for God. And in the end, he knew God had the final say. And he was up against some pretty big odds against him. But God came through every time. We're going to look at this in this series. Uh, but they changed his name which, um, to Belshazzar, which means whom Bel favors. It's just like a dorky name, Right? Daniel's friends almost went through the, uh, all, all, had their names changed as well. Hananiah, which means God is gracious. He became known as Shadrach, which means uh, illuminated by Shad, a sun god. So that's basically, um, he was named after a sun god. Mishael means who is like God or God is great. And then they tagged him with Meshach, which means. Who is like Shaq, which is a love goddess. (laughs) So, I mean, come on, you go from God is great, uh, who is like God, to, like, this is what the world does, and this is what the world does. It puts a label on you, tries to reduce you to less than what God has created you to be. They might not give you a name like that, but they'll put you in a category and they'll say, No, you'll only go this far. It's like, No, if I serve God and I'm under God's authority, I don't have authority because of me, but I have authority because of who I'm under. And if He says this door is going to open, this door is going to open. If He says this is going to change, it's going to change. I don't care about the government. I don't care who says what. If God says this is wrong and it's going to change, it'll change. Final words are his. And Daniel knew this. And so they tried to change all these names, but they refused to be moved. And so the thing that we can see with, with Daniel is that um, there's three traits in the life of Daniel that I want us to see, that we can see um, consistently. And we're going to look at this in this series. Because one of them is humility, the next one is trust, and the next one is hope. These three attributes were, were what Daniel lived by his entire life. For 70 years, humility, trust, and hope caused him to endure. And not just endure, but be faithful to God and see God's hand work in all kinds of situations. And the one thing about all of these attributes is they're counterintuitive. Humility? How many know a lot of times humility is contrary to what we want to do? The Bible says, humble yourselves and pray. How many know there's a lot of times you want to just run and take action when God says, no, humble yourself and pray first. We want to just get in there. It's like, no, humble yourself and pray. It's like it, it, it goes against the grain of what we want to do, but it's like he's saying, no, humble yourself and pray. It takes humility, and it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense, but it, it works. Trust. Trust when what? when everything is at odds against you you still have to have a simple trust just a simple security and a rest it it makes no sense and then hope of course is many times against all odds that you could have hope so all three are counterintuitive you know in psalms 131 i don't know if if, uh daniel knew this psalm but um he lived this psalm and i want us to look at it in uh in Psalms 131, it's, a, it's one of the shortest psalms, and it, it's one of the hardest psalms to live out. It takes the longest time in your life. It might be the shortest, but it takes the longest to live out in your life. Sometimes the simplest things are many times like that. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and always. So we see here there's three things. We see, first of all, that, you know, I'm not going to lift up my eyes. I'm not going to be proud. I'm not going to allow that pride to rise up in my heart. But then he's saying here, I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I've calmed and quieted myself. And there's, I believe more than ever before, we need to come to that place where we can still the voices and, and stop Turn this off sometimes. Turn off the noise. And just stop and just quiet yourself and let one voice speak to you. We're almost addicted and driven. They say actually it's, there is a, it's an adrenaline that you li- literally live off of because every time you hear that ding, it's like, <gasps> ding, it's like, it's like you're living off of this adrenaline and it's like you know we survived without these things and amazingly we we made it this far (laughs) Uh, you know you can make it without you know turning that off every once in a while and daniel understood there's three things to maintain humility and I want us to look at these, because humility is, first of all, the first step. And, you know, the verse that I came into 2021 with is First um, Peter uh, 5, 6, and 7. Um, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up in due time, casting all your cares and worries on him, because he cares for you. That sounds really nice, but it's really hard to do. Because humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, sometimes it means believing what he says about you when you don't believe it for yourself. Believing something good he says about you when you've just seen failure and all you see is your shortcomings. But humility is accepting what God says about you and not what you think about yourself. Humility Is accepting what Jesus says his church is that it is a bride without spot or wrinkle and that's what he's committed to to making when all you see is spots and wrinkles and you're like that's all I can see well you need to give me vision for what you see Jesus and I'm gonna humble myself under your mighty hand and you can lift me up in due time and Daniel understood this Daniel of all people was living in captivity knowing that they were going to live in that captivity for 70 years because god had said for every year they broke the sabbath he was going they were going to pay for a year and that was 70 years so daniel knew i don't know if he knew right away but he figured it out through the scriptures later on but he knew he'd have to live in that captivity but did he give up no he humbled himself still under the mighty hand of god What's God going to do if everything goes topsy-turvy and we're like, why isn't this not going the way that we thought? What if things drag out longer? What if things take even worse turns? God's still working and we still have a plan to work with Him. And we have to keep our eyes on that. He's not dependent on what the government does. And We have to know three things, I believe, to stay in in this place of humility. We need to, first of all, know who we are, who God has made you to be. Know who you are. Know what God has given to you. Each one of us has been given something. We're going to look at this. And stay in your sphere. Stay in the place that God has created for you. Because each one of us, let's go to Romans 12. We're going to look at Romans 12, three, um, verses 3 to 8. It says here Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in the evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. So, don't think of yourself more highly than you, than you you need to think. And a lot of times we, we can do that. We can overestimate in a certain area. The best thing for that is spouses, ask your spouse, or not spouses, uh, husbands and wives, ask your spouse. They'll give you an honest evaluation. <laughs> and, um, you know, ask someone who knows you. And, and it's important that we... we, we We look at ourselves not overestimating ourselves because God can't work with what we think we are. God works with who we really are. And it says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So, the first thing we have to realize is we're all apart, none of us has the whole picture. Some people like to think they have the whole picture and they pretty well run the whole thing and they just think they have it all. But we are a part. We are not the whole thing. And our part is good, but there are other parts that are good. And we can't think that our part is the only part that's really good and that other part isn't important. They're all important and we need to respect them. And this is what he's trying to say here. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And you see this with people, and I love this when I work with different people. You see different strengths and graces on them. They're like, oh, that was easy to do. And it's like, no, it's not. When you You know, I look at it and I think, I can't do that, but there's a grace on them that God gave them that gift to be able to do that so well. Um, So it says here, um, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. How many have ever met those people that are encouraging? They're just like, you've talked to them and they just, they make you feel like, you know, when they just talk to you, it's just, you feel lifted. And they're like, how did you do that? I'm not talking about people that puff you up and, you know, not that way. Just where they genuinely encourage you. They're just encouragers. If it is giving, give generously. There are people that have literally the gift of giving. I remember when I was in Bible school in 85 um, and uh, I, this guy came and he spoke on giving and he was like, yeah, he says, I give away 90% of my income and I live on 10. We're all like, I'm 18 years old at the time, right? I'm still trying to put in my head around finances. I'm just trying to figure out how to pay tuition. And um, I just couldn't put my head, but it, all of us, of course, come up to him after and we're like, how do you live on 10% of your income? This was back in 85, and he's like, Well, he says a quarter of a million, it's pretty easy to live on. So he had the gift of giving, and you can't outgive God. And so he did it well. If your gift, uh, he says here, if God has given you leadership ability or administration, take the responsibility seriously. How many have seen those people? They just step in and they're just like, okay, this, this, this. They have, they're have, calm. They just know. And they just boom, boom, boom. And it just comes natural to them. And it's like I admire that when I see that and because you see these gifts. If you've given, been given the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. <clears throat> Uh, (laughs) that's not one of my gifts. I have to really work on that one. Um, He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I don't have that verse on there. Sorry, uh, computer guys. I didn't give you that, but I did want to read it because it's good. So, um, we, we see here, we have to know who we are. So know the gifts that God's put in you. Know the strengths and the abilities that he's put in you. And don't try to be what you're not. Re- draw on others that are that and allow them and allow that strength. That's why we've been given the body to, to draw from one another and to, to be strengthened by one another. I remember when I first came into the city and God wanted me to work with the ministerial. I didn't want to. And God told me, You know, look. He says that this is what I've got to work with, including you. And he was telling me, look, it's it is a mess right now, but this is what I'm working with, including you. I said, well, what do you want me to do? then? And he says, bring your strength and fortify the weakness. And if every one of us did that, if every one of us brought the strengths of the areas that we're in. And you would fortify the other people around you, their weaknesses. And if we can draw on that with one another, that's how God works in a body. So we need to know what God has given to us. Know those areas of strength. Know those things that that God has put inside of you. Know that when you walk into a situation, don't hold back. It's like, no, this is an area I'm strong in, and I want to bring my strength forward. Not in an arrogant, pushy way, but it's like, no, I I can bring this. I can... Everyone can benefit from this. This is the strength that I've, God has given me, and the same is true. If it's not a strength in your area, don't charge in there. It's like I can do this. It's like pwah, pwah. it's a big mess, and it's like no, I don't think. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm this. I'm I I can do this, and it's like no, you can't. You're you're not strong there. You might be able to get by, but it's not your strength, and acknowledge that so that. Someone that has that strength can step in and do something great because God wants to use them in that area. And then stay in your sphere. Stay in the place that God has called you and given you strength to be able to do. Don't step outside of it. This is where I find for myself and many leaders and people that God wants to begin to use is we step outside of the grace that God has given us for things. And when we step out of that grace, we get tired, we get worn out, we get frustrated, and because we don't have the grace to do it beyond what God has called us to do. So define what God has called you to do, look at those things that he's put inside of you, and stay in that sphere of what God has given you. That's where you stay in humility, and it's not, there's nothing wrong with saying, look, I mean, I joke with my minister friends uh, in the city because there's times you have to step in maybe and do something, you know, because no one's stepping up there. And you know temporarily you're doing it, but I'll warn them, like, guys, especially if it's not an area I'm strong, it's like, pre-warning, I might mess it up a little, but I'm trying until someone else steps in. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with with where you're at. And uh, I have a great minister friend who's helped me with, all kinds of the legal stuff with the government. He just thinks that way and works that way. And uh, he does it like... When I've had to step in, it just makes my brain hurt and it takes a long time. So he comes in and helps, but sometimes, you know, he's not there and I have to push through. But thank God for the strengths he's given in the body. Amen? Because he wants to use each one of us in those in those areas. The other thing that we see in Daniel's life, um, and we're going to look at this, um, let's go to, um, let's go back to Daniel, because I want to see an example where we see this in Daniel. Why am um, I having a hard time finding this book? Okay. So we see here, Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food, and the wine given to them by the king, and he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat those things that were, were not acceptable. <clears throat> so it says here: now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, "I'm afraid of my, uh, I'm afraid of." my lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine, if you become pale and thin compared to the other use of your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. I mean, you know, it's not a good thing, right? So this guy is like wanting to do this for Daniel, and we don't realize a lot of these situations in government, a lot of these things, we don't realize what's going on behind the scenes. And in this case, this guy's going to lose his head if he favors Daniel. And he goes and basically says, Daniel's not going to do this. And so there were consequences there. How many know God has wisdom to be able to work through those situations? In this case, we see this. It says here, it says, Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please take us for test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Daniel said, and at the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in the light of what you see. And the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. See, there's always a solution in God. And Daniel didn't just like, well, it's my right, and this is what my God says, and this is what I'm, he wants me to do, and I'm going to, you know, and it's like, you just see this going on out there where you just got people that are just, you know, going crazy. It's just the wrong spirit. It's just the wrong spirit. I, I, it's like, how can you say that? Because it's wrong. It's just wrong in how it even comes out. It's like, this is not Christ-honoring This response from Daniel was honoring. He gave a solution that was going to work. There are solutions God has for some of the things we're facing. We maybe haven't seen them yet. But as we get on our knees in humility like Daniel walked in, I believe God will begin to reveal and God will begin to unfold them. I believe he wants to do that. That's what takes true courage is when we step into those things. Saying it took courage for Daniel to say this, because he's basically putting God to the test. He's saying, look, in 10 days, God, your reputation's on the line here. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than, than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided by For by the others. (laughs) Now you can be guaranteed Daniel had to live with a little bit of backlash from that one. Okay? If I had plain wine and chocolates and all these other wonderful things, and then I'm getting veggies and water. Yeah. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel this special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, how many, do you know how long the training period was? At the beginning we read it, three years of Babylonian university. A university they did not want to go to. A university not by choice, but they were forced to. So in the midst of this, Daniel, God works in him and gives him the special ability to interpret the meanings of dreams and visions. They gave, he gave them aptitude to be able to understand every aspect of literature and wisdom. And it says here, when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them And no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. And listen, whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. You know what? That's not Daniel tooting his own horn. That's Daniel humbling himself under the mighty hand of God that God could lift him up in due time. That was Daniel having a deep trust, quieting his soul, and listening to the one voice, trusting the one voice that would get him hope through. That was Daniel putting his hope in the one true God. Where do we see this? We're going to look at this later on in the book of Daniel. But we see at the end of his life, this is after, I don't know how many years, probably over 50, maybe 60 years already that he was in captivity, had been serving um, these rulers. And the... He gets tricked where they basically make a rule. Anyone who bows and prays, um, you know, gets thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel, the Bible says, did everything that he did faithfully every day. He opened his window and he prayed facing Jerusalem, a country he'd never go back to. And he knew that was his land where he came from, where he got his godly heritage, And he opened that window and they knew that every day because he had a constant hope, unwavering hope. And so many times we're tooting our own horns about all of these things. It's like, who are we anchored in? Because when we're anchored in him, the outcome of our life should be 10 times greater in everything that we do. What, why? Because we just do, do it better? No, because the one we serve and live for is greater. And he lives big in us. Period. We decrease, he increases. And Daniel knew this. And it says here, verse 21, Daniel remained in the royal service until the first reign First year of the reign of King Cyrus. That is over 70 years. So here, it's already stating, he's a teenager coming into this. And they're saying here, look, this guy's remained loyal for over 70 years. He remained in that royal service. And we're going to look at his life more because some of the accounts are incredible If you've read the account of King Nebuchadnezzar, how God worked through Daniel to humble that king, it wasn't anything of Daniel's workings. King Nebuchadnezzar was a great king. But how many know when God wants to get someone's attention, God will get someone's attention. And God wanted to use Daniel. And Daniel allowed God to use him in that situation. But then there were times where Daniel had to, you know, do different things. And then we see later on in Daniel's life, we're not going to look at this, but in the later chapters of his life, God gives him visions and dreams of the end times, of the days we're going to live in and what's coming, to where he gets so sick he can't even, he's like so shook up he can't even eat for days. Horrifying things that he saw. So God used Daniel in great ways. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want to be marked by, is that I let God live big in me, and that I let God, the God of the universe, mark my life by what he did through me, because I chose to humble myself, trust, and put my hope in him like Daniel. And when we do that, we can endure to the end. And whatever that end is, for some of us, it might be a shorter life. We don't know. Some of us, it might be a longer life. But whether it's short or long, that we stay true to what God says, true to his ways, and allow him to come through for us, that he could lift us up in due time. Amen? Let's, if I can have the worship team up, we're going to... um, God, I look to you. And I want us to make this our prayer as we're closing today because He is where our help comes from. And I love that part. Give me vision to see things like you do. And I need that almost every day, God. It's like, God, I have to see this situation the way that you see it. Because I've got eyes and they're seeing it a certain way, but God, you see this from a whole different perspective. And I need to see it from the way you see it because then I can respond to it the right way. Then I can um, act accordingly into that situation because I see it from a right perspective. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.